This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. All right, here we go. Let's set sail on The Adam Ritz Show. My name is Adam Ritz. Humble to be your host, and Jay Baker is joining me on the telephone. Jay, I am assuming you are humbled to be on board, but maybe you're not. I, I don't know. You know, I do. I remain humbled. I feel like being part of this show may be the greatest uh, broadcasting accomplishment I've ever had in my life. Well, that's uh, that wasn't very humble. <laughs> It wasn't. <laughs> this is the greatest show, uh, and you're on it. Uh, I I don't know if uh, if you can hear. Can you hear the saw in the background? I'm in my car. Just, believe it or not, just lightly. Yeah, today we had a bunch of construction in our neighborhood. Everything from people getting their gutters cleaned out to drain repair. So I am familiar of a phenomena called ambient noise. Well, today I'm battling uh, a miter saw because uh, <laughs> we've had a, a positive case of COVID in the studio. So I'm not in the studio. I'm uh, in my home studio and I'm also getting my master bathroom sort of remodeled i'm having you know just some minor stuff done some new paint i'm putting a new uh medicine cabinet in and that's what they're working on right now so the saw i don't know if it's a miter saw or a power saw or it, may, it could be a sander there's something running in my uh, master bedroom which is right where my home studio is so i'm in my car right now uh recording this episode with you and you may or may not hear a lawnmower or a, a miter saw, uh, or the garbage man, you'll hear some sort of ambient noise throughout the uh, remaining part of this broadcast. Uh, you know, we've had to deal with everything this year, and uh, we continue to deal with it uh, on the Adam Rich Show as well. So, Jay, I wanted to start with um, something. Uh, I just had a, a pretty cool interview with a guy named Jock Bartley. Is that a cool name or what? Oh, great name. Jock Bartley. And you, you'll you know who he is. I mean, he's, I guess it's not a household name, but you'll know who he is when I tell you. Um, and I guess the little quick background is, for our listeners, uh, some know this because they get to hear this show or my other show on, on the same radio station they might be listening to right now. I also host a show called Yacht Rock Radio. And if you're curious about Yacht Rock and or this show, you can learn more on our website, YachtRockRadio.com. And we've discussed this in the past, you and I have, Jay. Uh, why don't you give our listeners a little background on just the term Yacht Rock and, and what it is? Well, Yacht Rock, of course, alludes to what music would sound absolutely fantastic, middle of the summer, best day ever. There you are on this great boat out on the water what would be the perfect music and while sometimes people debate yacht rock i would say think in terms of christopher cross or michael mcdonald the famous singer from the doobie brothers who sang so many songs 
with Kenny Loggins and other artists. And I say, think of that groove, think of Toto, and you think of just great songs. Is that a you, good description? I mean, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. The only thing uh, I would have added is that it uh, covers the timeline of the late 70s to the early 80s. Uh, so from about 1976 to about 1983 or 84, some of the soft rock, uh, jazzy soft rock from uh, that era, listening to it on a yacht, there you have Yacht Rock. And those are the songs I play on Yacht Rock Radio. And earlier today I did an interview with Jock Bartley, who is the founding member, guitarist, and singer for a band called Firefall. Oh, great band. Great Firefall. Band. And you know their songs, top three uh, radio hits from the late 70s. Uh, you Are the Woman, which I think hit number nine on the uh, Hot 100. And then uh, their other uh, top ten hits, or close to top ten at least, were Strange Way and um, uh, you, I said You Are the Woman. The other one is... Um, the, uh, just remember, I love you. Just remember, I love you, and it'll be all right. Yeah, um, their music was so good. Uh, and as you said, when you are reminded of those songs, the albums that those songs came on were outrageously good. Well, Jock uh, and his band Firefall, they have a new album out, and uh, I'm actually going to talk about this on an upcoming episode of, of this show uh, because we did talk about his work with Suicide Prevention. So this is just a little teaser, I guess, for an upcoming suicide prevention episode where we're going to have a special guest uh, from Firefall, Jock Bartley, talking about a song he wrote just for suicide prevention and suicide prevention awareness. It's a, it's a big social issue that is very important to him, and he's been working uh, on this for the last 20 plus years. Um, he was describing to me a benefit concert that he put together in the late 90s and talk about a precursor to Yacht Rock. It was him and Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers and um, David Pack from Ambrosia. Those Man, three played a, a show in Nashville in 1998, all for the awareness of suicide prevention, featuring a song that... Uh, Jock Bartley wrote called Call On Me, which is uh, a, a song about suicide prevention. He wrote that song specifically for this uh, event and for awareness. So I'm going to feature that song on an upcoming episode, uh, along with uh, the interview with Jock um, about suicide prevention. I, I just think it's great when, when uh, anyone, whether you're uh, in a band that has three top ten hits uh, whether you're Michael McDonald, uh, who was just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, whether you're a Jay Baker, who uh, has been in radio for 35 years, or uh, if you're anybody walking uh, the city streets that thinks you might not be able to make a difference, I, I think you can. And if we just all get involved somehow, pick that awareness, pick that cause or that foundation Put a little bit of effort into it. Pick something that means something to you or your family. And uh, before you know it, uh, you'll see a little dent has been made in the positive 
category to make this planet a little better place. So hats off to Jock Bartley and um, Firefall for getting involved with suicide prevention. You're on board with, and I, that was a Yacht Rock pun, you are on board <laughs> the Yacht That Rocks. Nope, you're on board the Adam Rich Show. Uh, we are underwritten by Vibonomics and Vibonomics.com. Vibonomics is a, a marketing company, uh, in-store music, uh, in retail locations across the country playing uh, the music you love, uh, along with voiceover messaging and advertisements between the songs. You can learn more about them. Uh, if you hit their logo on my website, adamritzshow.com. Jay Baker, um, you, now you've had a, a vast uh, career in classic rock. Did Firefall ever get played on classic rock radio, or was that more um, more of a, I guess, classic hits or 70s pop? No, classic rock got played quite a bit, or classic rock played Firefall quite a bit. And specifically, you mentioned that Strange Way song. Uh, that was huge. And there was another song, and boy, it's escaping my memory. Uh, I think it was a female name. Cinderella? Cinderella. That was a big song uh, at Classic Rock. Now, of course, Classic Rock morphed into a little more harder core, if you will. But remember that Firefall was right about the time that the Eagles were big, and their music was totally... Um, you know, sympathetic with Eagles music. So if you were playing Eagles music, bad company music, it was easy to play Firefall. Now, if your station was playing a lot of Ozzy Osbourne and uh, Nirvana, you probably couldn't go into Firefall as easy. But you, you kind of see what I'm getting there. Sure. Yeah. That's uh, it. Was a it wasn't the best segue to go from Crazy Train into strange way <laughs> no <laughs> though you know somebody has done it uh, you know i'm giving you 10 bucks that says someone did it well you i i mean the, the classic hit stations now you're playing the greatest hits of all time for sure let's play some ozzy into firefall i i do that let's put this sucker on shuffle you know, it's really funny. Speaking super quickly about Ozzy Osbourne, he's been in the news a lot lately. Here's a guy who continually reinvents himself, and he's hosted two or three major television shows, including one that has even spun off. Uh, the initial show was called The Osbournes Want to Believe, and it was Ozzy and Sharon and the kids sitting around, watching these crazy YouTube videos, you know, ghost caught on closed caption television, uh, this, that, or the other. And then they would just get their honest response. And believe it or not, they that show went over so well, they're on TNT with another show uh, that has to do with Ozzy Osbourne and the supernatural. And it just cracks me up because here's a guy that you can barely understand, yet is one of the more personable guys who has a great history with rock and roll i mean he is a hall of famer for sure but isn't that amazing that the guy just keeps reinventing himself it, it is amazing and i did see that show uh the aussies want or the osbournes want to believe you know they'll show footage of ufos uh <laughs> they'll show black and white security footage of a ghost in a hallway and then they all talk about uh whether or not it was real and it's just it's i, I would have to think in a parallel universe 
there are a bunch of ghosts sitting around watching a video of Ozzy, wondering if he's real. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I so thoroughly enjoy is uh, we got the opportunity on about three or four occasions to interview Ozzy at the radio station, and he is a joy to have on. And a couple of those times, Sharon his wife and manager came along as well because she's been very involved in Ozzy's career. But it's hilarious because Sh- Sharon ends up being almost an interpreter for Ozzy. Well, yeah. Because Ozzy goes off on some wild tangent, you know, oh, she's and she's like, oh, Ozzy, don't be like that. You know, and it's, it's the sh- best. I'm sure in, best. In, a, in a room full of uh, producers and uh, writers on those shows, it's, I, I'm sure Ozzy says something and then everybody immediately looks at Sharon waiting for her to tell them what he said. <laughs> well, the best part later was learning some very not suitable for primetime British slang from Ozzy, which I won't even repeat here, but it, you know, it, it just was absolutely amazing stuff. So speaking of Ozzy, how was your Halloween? I know that's a, one of your favorite holidays, very different approach to Halloween this year. So how would you rate your Halloween experience? Uh, it was, uh, we kept it safe. Um, we distanced from uh, the trick-or-treaters, we had a table out front and had some candy spread out on it so uh, they could just walk up and take some. I did oversee it so they wouldn't get greedy. I didn't want someone, uh, <laughs> a younger version of myself, to just walk up and take everything on the table. Uh, the numbers were down, I will say that. Uh, yes. The kids all had on some sort of mask, and I could tell the ones that had on a Halloween mask had on um, the coronavirus mask underneath it. Uh, but the numbers were definitely, you could absolutely tell the numbers were down and, and the same, uh, feedback from my sister and my mom's, uh, neighborhoods, the numbers were, were really far down. In fact, everybody I talked to, I had more trick-or-treaters in my little neighborhood than my friends who are in huge neighborhoods had at all. So, uh, numbers were down for sure, but I think, uh, the kids that did get out had a, had a good time. The parents were videoing and, uh, it, is uh, as they say, it's now in the history books. We can look back on that Halloween of 2020, and as uh, time goes on, it'll be a, a story to tell your grandkids. Boy, you're not kidding on that. Uh, looking forward to some things that are in the news. We do talk a little bit about uh, sporting events, and they do get affected by COVID. And Adam, you are a big Purdue football fan. I'm going to guess you're going to be a little bit disappointed during this weekend. Yes, the uh, Purdue-Wisconsin game has been uh, postponed due to uh, high numbers of COVID positive testing on the uh, Wisconsin Badger team. Uh, I guess to look on the bright side, uh, my team, the Boilermakers, are not going to lose to Wisconsin this weekend. See, there you go. <laughs> so we're still undefeated, 2-0. and Well, uh, Purdue has been looking very good this early season. Yes, Wisconsin would have been a test. Uh, we've talked a lot about Big Ten. Big Ten was sort of one of the last major conferences to sort of gear up for football. We're glad that they did. Uh, basically, the Big Ten said early on, 
if any of these games uh, are unable to be played due to COVID, we're just going to scratch the game and go forward. So the, the tough part is, as you just pointed out, Adam, this isn't any fault of Purdue's at all, and it, nor is it a fault of Wisconsin's, but there is sort of an incumbency for the schools to continue to follow the protocols because there's a lot at stake. You, you end up costing your opponent uh, the ability to count that as a game because the Big Ten said you need to play at least six of the eight games to be eligible for the Big Ten championship. Well, and you just hit on something that I wasn't sure of, and as soon as I said it, I wondered when I said the game has been postponed. It it hasn't been postponed. It's been canceled. It's been canceled, okay. and that's you know that uh, there's sort of that added level, and we never want to bring anybody down on the show, but there is sort of a new and sometimes harsh reality about how we're going about sporting events. Well, you know, safe and sorry. And uh, yeah. if, if everything can get back on schedule the week after, uh, you know, we just got to get 2020 in the rearview mirror and just uh, <laughs> I, I, there will be a day where you'll barely be able to remember that year when your favorite team only got to play five games. Yes. Yes, yes. And I've remarked early on in 2020, you know how sometimes it's difficult. Like if somebody says, do you remember the year the Bears won the Super Bowl? And you're like, I don't know, 86, 88, somewhere around in there. No one will be able to forget anything that happened in 2020. They'll be able to pinpoint it. My guess is you may even be able to select the day it occurred, you know, yeah, because it's just been so crazy. Uh, Speaking of which, Clemson and Notre Dame, team number one versus team number four uh, for this weekend. Trevor Lawrence has had a brush with COVID. He won't be playing, but Clemson also found that they're going to be without some of their key players for that as well. So this COVID uh, situation has been – rearing its head here and there some nfl teams have dealt with some issues but here's a big bright spot and who would have known this team usa swimming has been number one in the world adam since 1956 well i did not know that see swimming just doesn't get the uh attention that the nfl or college football gets but it's pretty doggone important, especially if you're a swimmer. That is amazing. I mean, that's a, a sport and activity. People have been doing that since we were cavemen. Uh, I wonder why the U.S. has such a stronghold on that. Just been one of those things. We've been extremely fortunate. And part of it is, uh, you know, we have we probably have some very scientific training methods, et cetera. And I think we have a pretty strong system. You grew up in a community where they highly encouraged uh, age group kids to get in the pool and swim. In fact, uh, your community had a great swim team for many years. Yeah. Uh, swimming, uh, you know, hockey in uh, Canada makes sense. Uh, I want, you know, there's, there's certainly uh, water and oceans and lakes everywhere on planet Earth. It's just a, a little curious to me why uh, the U.S. It must be our training facilities or natatoriums or uh, maybe it just comes down to steroids. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. Uh, <laughs> we just have much better enhancements. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. No, but you know, ironically, I think steroid use would go against the swimmer because I think the bigger and bulkier you got, I think you'd sink more than swim. I, I'm not sure. Well, you are onto something there, and you would know, having been uh, an avid steroid <laughs> user in the uh, uh, well, your stint in the Olympics, uh, those '84 Olympics in LA, when you got uh, um, I got caught. You got disqual- You got the DQ for uh, steroid use. Well, it's just because my voice got really low. I mean, just amazing. My goodness. (laughs) If your voice got any lower, none of us could understand what you were saying. Uh, um, There is a game show. I know I love it when you've done analysis for this because I know that you uh, do uh, some – some entertainment content for various sources. And I love the fact when you uh, give your honest critique of television shows, because I think you've kind of maintained in the past, there's either nothing new under the sun or that's a tremendously terrible idea for a show. I know that you've critiqued uh, the such shows as the British baking show. I think you, you were, you were a little down. On that as a show, the British baking show. Yeah, you or, said that yeah, uh, you just, thought it seemed a little silly. I I, I tend to uh, <laughs> not get excited for reboots of uh, of films for sure. Uh, it's just there, you know. This is not my uh, idea. It's a cl- cliche, really, of sorts. But there's just no, there are no new ideas in Hollywood, uh, and I'm definitely one of the. Many Hollywood customers who is just somewhat scratching my heads at some of the junk that they put out and expect (laughs) us to watch. Come on, make something good. Well, you know that a few few years back, actually about a year and a half back, uh, game shows, some game shows, some of the classic game shows got a reboot, including Match Game, That's which right. was the famous show. Now it's hosted by Alec Baldwin. And then they re rebooted. And this is a show where I've rarely found anybody that would tell you this was my favorite show, mostly because it actually was a fairly complicated far- format. And the show is Card Sharks. Mm. And it's hosted by Snoop Dogg. Uh, uh, no, uh, well, there is one hosted by Snoop oh, Dogg, but uh, that's uh, Joker. Second, Joel McHale. Joel yeah. McHale is doing card tricks. Joel McHale, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But Joker's um, Wild. Joker's is Wild is Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Uh, I know and that uh, him. Leslie Jones. Leslie yeah. Jones is doing the uh, supermarket dash or whatever sweepstakes. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, supermarket sweepstakes. Uh, card sharks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I didn't uh, know they redid that one. Yes, it, it, it involves like lots of thinking and different things, but they've got Joel McHale on there to sort of explain it all to you. But they are working on a quiz show that is, believe it or not, got big in Great Britain. It's called The Chase, and it'll be on ABC. And what they've done is they've approached the three winners of the greatest of all time Jeopardy contestants, so on the chase, it will feature Ken Jennings, James Holzhauer, and Brad Rutter, who are the three greatest Jeopardy champions of all time. So if you can think quicker and more accurately than those three guys, you win valuable prizes. Well, I'm not watching that. I, I hated watching 
Jeopardy when one of those guys was on. They could have just renamed the show Adam is Stupid because I never got one thing right. They always beat me. Now you're going to make me watch all three of them at once? Show me how stupid I am? No, thank you. Yeah, there you go. Now you'll feel three times as bad about your lack of knowledge. Yeah, uh, Jeopardy is great, and I think I've, I've been around people that could yell out the answers in their living room uh, without anything at all, but I bet if you put them on that television set with those bright lights shining down, it would be a whole different story, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. Uh, they have a new sighting of the Loch Ness Monster, Adam. The Loch Ness Monster, of course, famous. Uh, they've even nicknamed it to Nessie. Nessie. And the reason... Nessie, yes, and the reason why the Loch Ness Monster is so compelling is there were actually some absolutely outstanding photos of Nessie that were produced in the 1950s. Now, you know, this is, if you think back, this is a duh, but before there were camera phones, before, you know, there was just a ubiquitous number of people waiting to photograph and record everything, these pictures actually were like, oh, my goodness. And they held up even from people that did uh, the photo analysis. Authentication. And et cetera, et cetera. So, yep. Those Nessie photos held up for over 25 years. However, the gentleman that took those photos admitted on his deathbed it was a hoax. I'm sorry, folks. I did not know that. Yes, when did he die? Kind of an amazing story that he created this very compelling photo that held up for years. Because as you know, when you do photo analysis, you're measuring, you know, the gradient of the shadow and the ripple of the water and all the rest of that. And this guy uh, created these photos, which then kept up the uh you know illusion if you will that there's a loch ness monster but recently uh charter boat captain who is uh, quite a ocean explorer found a sonar target at 600 feet because that's the other thing about loch ness that makes it kind of spooky anyway i mean we're, we came off the halloween season is that loch ness as a lake is extremely deep in fact, it's over 750 feet deep in spots. So, Adam, if you dropped that uh, lucky quarter of yours overboard, you'd never see it again. And somebody, uh, they have sonar that there's something at 600 plus feet deep yes, swimming they, around? They found a target. Now, here's what's interesting. There's two explanations, and both are a little creepy, frankly. One is that, indeed... That genuinely is the Loch Ness Monster, if the Loch Ness Monster, if you want to believe that. Or it could be, and a scientist said this, I immediately got the chills when I read it, could be a 20 to 30 foot eel. I don't know how you feel about that. (laughs) I don't know if, yeah, you go swimming. You know what? After this, after this show, we will no longer be number one in the world in swimming uh, when no. no one gets in the water because of the fear of a thirty-foot eel coming up under your feet. Well, Team USA has officially said no training in Loch Ness. None They're at gonna all. They're going to stick to the local uh, natatorium. But, yeah, I thought that was creepy. But there you go. So uh, there's some new uh, hint that the Loch Ness Monster may be real and is currently swimming around 
in Loch Ness. I, how, now, how is that guy going to turn over in his grave if it turns out that Loch Ness was real <laughs> and uh, he, on his deathbed, said it was a hoax? He's going to go, oops. I, I knew it. His ghost is going to say. It. His ghost is going to tell Ozzy oh. Osbourne, "I knew I was right." I just think it's fascinating that somebody was able to take such a convincing photograph. And you and I know this had to have been a couple of guys. They were having a pint at the pub, and the guy says, "Look, I've got an idea for a photograph," and I'm swearing you guys to secrecy. And you and I know that that started out that way. And then the second somebody said, "We think these pictures are authentic." They went in another room, laughed as loud as they could, then came out with a straight face and go, yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, it's a stick. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Hey, speaking of getting in the water and going very deep, uh, did you ever see the movie Titanic with uh, our good friend Leonardo DiCaprio fell in love with Kate Winslet? Well, Jewelry sure. was thrown into yeah, the ocean. Absolutely. Ocean liners hit icebergs. It was it was a gripping epic film. Well, as you know, uh, famously, the Titanic was rediscovered a few years, years ago by uh, Ballard. And I always forget Ballard's first name, but Ballard, the oceanographer, dove down, discovered the Titanic. And then, of course, uh, that spawned an interest in the ocean liner and the subsequent film. Well, now uh, tourists, and they don't know when this will begin, but if you can pony up $125,000, you actually can go down in one of those submersibles and visit the Titanic. That is amazing and so scary. The uh, water pressure (laughs) to go that deep. Oh, my God. And it's one hundred and twenty-five grand. All right. Yeah, so start uh, saving. We'll do a little, uh, you know, fundraising, and maybe we'll have a, give that away to a, a listener as a radio contest. Um, Jay, I want to thank you for coming on uh, the show today with these interesting topics. It's been fun. Uh, I, I've been to the Titanic uh, uh, exhibit in Vegas. It is very cool, and I uh, highly advise anybody, if you have a chance to see the Titanic relics, go check them out. Maybe hold off on that 125K to go underneath to look at the real thing. <laughs> All right, you can join us uh, online, Adam Ritz Show. There you'll find more details about this show and even past shows in podcast form. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics audio out-of-home marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com. 